Last week, we examined the end of chapter 1 and the beginning of chapter 2. And Paul addresses one matter in this passage, and it's the source of our boasting. And I don't know what's going on with the computer, but we'll figure it out later. The source of our boasting. The source of our boasting. Paul said that our boasting is not to be based in human wisdom or our favorite apostle. Paul said this, that this was foolish. For anyone who would boast must only boast in the Lord. For God had saved them in a way that nobody else could take credit for it. And Paul even modeled this as he went there. And the Corinthians were such a messed up church. They're a problem church. And Paul is continually giving them gospel answers for this problem church. And he's trying to tell them that you need to stop boasting in all these things and taking the credit for all that glory goes to Jesus. He says in verse 4, And my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit of pa- and power. Everything that happened there, Paul says, did not come as a result of human philosophy. But we spoke the message of the cross so that it could be clearly seen that whoever believes is a result of the Spirit's power. It was clearly seen that because you believed, it was because the Holy Spirit changed your heart. Not because Paul was anything special or Apollos was anything special. It was the Holy Spirit, and that is where your boasting lies. So, if that was about the source of our boasting, verses 6 through 13, I would say the theme is this, the source of wisdom. The source of wisdom. This is one of the things that he's going to continue to drive home in, because in Corinth, wisdom was such a huge and massive thing philosophy and they gravitated towards those who were smart or who used all these philosophical arguments and Paul is trying to tell them that it's not philosophy or human wisdom or worldly wisdom that makes any difference it is again the holy spirit and what he's going to say in here is the source of our wisdom is not in man but in god just like the source of our boasting is not in man but in god And now he's going to throw a curveball to them because they're probably thinking at this point that Paul hates wisdom. He's such a dummy. He's not a wise guy at all. He doesn't like wisdom at all. But look what he says in verse 6. Yet among the mature, we do impart wisdom. All right, Paul, what is it? Do you use wisdom or do you not use wisdom? You can't have it both ways. Now we'll talk about that in a second. The word mature there simply means spiritual To the mature, to the spiritual. What he's talking to are those who have believed. Those who are spiritual are not some high class of special Christians that have got it all figured out. Those who are spiritual refers to believers. Because he's going to make a contrast later in the chapter about those who are spiritual and those who are natural. Basically believers and unbelievers. That's the context here. So we do use wisdom, Paul says. But listen, guys, stop knocking us for not using the latest and greatest methods of Greek philosophy and wisdom. And for, in fact, we do use wisdom, but it's not the same wisdom. 
Paul says, although it is not a wisdom of this age or the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away. This wisdom that we do give to believers or that believers possess, again, it's not from the world. It's not a human-centered method. The kind of wisdom that Paul uses isn't the latest and greatest fad to grow your church. The kind of wisdom that Paul uses doesn't come from celebrities or the people in power or the movers and shakers. This is what he says. The rulers of this age, Paul could even mean that, use that term to refer to the demonic forces. And the reason Paul says that it's a different kind of wisdom than the ones they were using in Corinth is because all those people pass away. The wisdom of this age will be doomed. It will one day die with the people who proclaim it. The wisdom of the rulers of this age and the wisdom of the age, none of this wisdom will last. And the gospel is not something that is just for one generation and one people in a certain decade or a certain century. No, the Paul says the gospel is eternal. And what you are trying to do is use the methods of the day... To win people to Christ. And you cannot do that brothers and sisters. We see that in our age today don't we? We see a lot of worldly practices. Meant to entice people to come into the doors of the church. Mostly in the name of entertainment. And then give them something other than what God has prescribed. Preaching verse by verse is boring. For the goats, but not for the sheep who are hungry for the word. Matter of fact, Paul says this wisdom that we have is not like the wisdom of the sage or the rulers who are doomed to pass away. And this makes me think of what God said to Isaiah about his word. If it's the word of God, if it's this wisdom that comes from heaven, then it will be eternal, it will be forever, it will be applicable to all peoples, all ages, all nations. From Bradenton, Florida to Kenya, what's the name of that town? Sekinai or something like that. God knows the town. And the Maasai people, I remembered that part. It'll, it'll work there and it'll work here. Right? The Robertsons don't have to go to Kenya and put the word of God aside and come up with another gospel in order to reach the Kenyans. What matters is the eternal wisdom from God. This is what Paul's trying to say. Corinthians, what are you doing? This is what God says to Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 6 through 8. A voice says, cry. And I said, what shall I cry? All flesh is grass, and all its beauty is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades. When the breath of the Lord blows on it, surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. This is what Paul says. You're using methods and wisdom that will soon be done in 10 years or 15 years or 20. Once this generation is dead, they'll come up with something different. Use the word of God. 
And this is what he says in verse 7. But we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God. Which which God decreed, when? Before the ages for our glory. What's Paul trying to say? If it ain't broke, don't fix it. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. The wisdom that we use, which is secret, it's the word which means concealed. Hidden is the Greek word for mysterious. This is what Paul says. Now, why does he use those words to describe this wisdom from God? The reason it is concealed is, think of the Old Testament. All God told them was what? A Messiah is coming. He gave them signs, a temple, a priest, sacrifices. He called them to be a nation. He called them out of Egypt. He gave them all his word, his law. He gave them all these signs and all these things that point to a future reality where he would send the one who would crush the head of the serpent. But they didn't have all the information, did they? I mean, Isaiah received certain prophecies. Daniel received others. Malachi had some. Jeremiah had some. It was kind of concealed. It was hidden. All you had to do that day was trust God. Have faith in God and His Word and His promises. He didn't have all the information. But when the Son of God came from glory. And He is the eternal Word of God. The Lagos. The full representation of God in human flesh. There was no more concealing it. This is he who we've been waiting for. This is he who is God manifested in the flesh. Who has the spirit of God indwelling him. Who is the son of David. Who is the king of kings and lord of lords. Who is the risen Christ from the dead. It was hidden then. Concealed. Nobody had all the information. But now we have the full story. Do you know how wonderful it is to live right now? We don't have to wonder what is coming. God has already given us all the full revelation of his plan in Jesus Christ. They didn't even know his name. They didn't even know it. They had titles for him. You shall call him Emmanuel, which is God with us. They didn't even know his name. Micah says, oh, he's going to be born in Bethlehem. In Judea, Isaiah says, a virgin will conceive little bits and pieces. This is why Paul says, but we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, mysterious. What is God doing? And the reason Paul says this is because that's unlike human wisdom. You cannot figure out God's plan by philosophical means. You cannot go to Aristotle or Socrates or Plato, Corinthians, and figure out salvation. It's hidden, mysterious. And God is just not making it up as he goes along. When did God decree this? Before the ages. For our glory. For our good. Yes, his wisdom is eternal. It is timeless. He says in verse 8, 
None of the rulers of this age understood this. For if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. This wisdom was so concealed and mysterious that the Jewish leaders didn't understand him when he came. That's what John tells us. He came unto his own and his own received him not. The Jewish leaders didn't get it. This guy is an imposter. He's a blasphemer. He claims to be God. He says he's, he's just a carpenter from Nazareth. Who does he think he is? They tried to stone him and kill him. They didn't get it. But if they would have realized who he was, if they would have figured it out by their own human wisdom, they would not have crucified him. But the reason God has concealed it and remained it a mystery for all those years was why? It was God's plan for him to be crucified. It was God's foreordained plan to give up his son for all those who would believe. And here's Paul saying, you're in your wisdom, if you would have known what you were doing, you would not have done it. Which is why God does it this way. God does things in ways that we cannot explain so that only he can get the credit. That only he can get the glory. He says in verse 9, But as it is written, What no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. Here Paul quotes from Isaiah 64, 4. And he's trying to make a point here. Here Isaiah is prophesying to Judah. Judah, you're about to be destroyed by Nebuchadnezzar. There's salvation coming. You will be restored. You're coming back to the land. Don't give up on God. God's not going to give up on you. Yeah, there's troubling coming. There's judgment coming, Judah. What no eye has seen or ear has heard. What's about to happen... You would not believe it if you saw it. You would not believe, believe it if you heard it. You would not believe if someone came up with this wildest story from the greatest imagination. You cannot understand and put into words what God is doing through his wisdom to send Jesus to die for the sins of his people. Nor I have seen nor ears heard. They're the heart of man imagined. And you think you're going to figure it out by philosophy? You think you're going to figure it out because you're smart and you have some degrees and hanging on your walls from some university? You're crazy. No. No eye, no ear, no imagination of our hearts. Can even dream or come up with something better than what God has done in this way. Eternal life, salvation, living in the presence of God, the new heavens and new earth, the wisdom of God, is the beauty of the gospel, and it's far better than anything we could ever conceive in our minds. It is far more powerful than anything that's ever been told in human history. It far exceeds the riches of the wisdom of this age, the philosophy of any rulers, for all those things pass away. There'll be a new thing with the next generation and a new thing after that and a new thing after that. Paul says, we're talking about eternity here. Okay, Paul, time out. So you're the one who knows the wisdom of God 
You're the holy roller, Paul. So much better than all of us. That God told you his wisdom. And now you're telling us that we can't figure it out. Because we got to listen to what your interpretation is of it. Is Paul the only one? No. Look what he says in verse 10. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. Remember what he said a few verses ago. To the spiritual we impart wisdom. No, this is just not reserved for Paul or a special class of Christians who've got it all figured out. This wisdom from God is given to Every believer in Jesus Christ. And how does every believer have it? Through the Holy Spirit of God. If the, if the source of our boasting is only in Christ alone, then the source of our wisdom is the Holy Spirit of God. This is what Paul's point here. You want to figure it out through your brains, but God has said only this will come through a revelation of the Holy Spirit to those who are spiritual believers. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. The reason we know these things is because because God has told us, not just me, us, His Holy Spirit The word spirit in the New Testament, the word spirit is the word pneuma. In both the Old Testament, ruach, and the New Testament, pneuma, the word spirit can be translated as wind or breath or air. Some of you probably might make this connection. Have you ever heard of a pneumatic tool? What is a pneumatic tool? It's a tool driven by air. The word pneumatic is from the same word where spirit is because it's the word air or wind. So the next time you're working with your power tools, guys, I didn't mean to be Tim Taylor there. I'm sorry. I don't know how this happened, but just know that you know a little Greek. Pneumatic tools, pneuma, spirit. These things God has revealed to us through his spirit, this breath of God. Yeah, it's the same thing. Uh, Several years ago, I wrote a book called Breath Upon Breath. If you don't have a copy, I encourage you to go get one. There are plenty of copies in the Welcome Center, which explores how we need the Holy Spirit every day of our lives. What the Holy Spirit does to us, what the scriptures tell us that he does, how we're to live in him every day. We have nothing without the Holy Spirit. Nothing. We can't live. We can't be a Christian. We can't know God's word. We don't have anything. We aren't even saved without the Holy Spirit. For it's the Holy Spirit which makes us spiritually alive. It's the Holy Spirit which causes us to be born again. Now think of those words. Because all these words are intentional in our Bibles. Right? So the word spirit is the word breath. So when did Adam become alive? When God breathed into him. What does Genesis say? He became a living soul. Yes. There's a connection there with breath and life. 
When the Holy Spirit breathes upon a sinner and he breathes the spirit of regeneration, which is new life, to be born again, what happens? The person goes from spiritual death to spiritual life so that they hear the gospel and they say, yes, I want to be saved. Yes, I believe in Jesus. Yes, I want to call upon the name of the Lord. This is the source of our wisdom. And how do we know this is true? What is proof of this, Paul? Well, here's the thing. Without the Spirit, you thought the word of the cross was foolish. Folly. Remember? But to those who are being saved, it is the power of God. How does that happen? Through the work of the Holy Spirit of God, which is the source of all wisdom for spiritual truth. This is what Paul says to Titus in Titus chapter 3, verses 4 through 7. When the goodness and loving kindness of our God appeared, he saved us. Not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy. By the washing of regeneration, this is new life, and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Lord. Without the Holy Spirit, you have no capability within yourself to love God, to believe in God, to worship God, to have joy in God. None. All of this comes from this wisdom imparted to us because God loves us and has changed us by his grace. Galatians chapter 4 verse 6, Paul makes his point very clearly to them. That because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Yes, it's the Holy Spirit that creates this intimacy, this fervency, this knowledge of who God is, that God is holy, that God is just. That God is truly loving. That God is wrathful. That I stand accountable before God. How does that kind of wisdom, where does that kind of wisdom come from? It comes from the Holy Spirit who comes inside of us and draws us to God. He removes that heart of stone and gives us a real heart that yearns for God. See, that's what it means to be born again, brothers and sisters. It's not, being born again is not having a new lease on life. Being born again is not about having a makeover. No. We don't need a makeover. We need a resurrection. We were dead in our sins. But Christ has risen us by his spirit, breathed new life into us, and made us spiritually alive. And with that comes knowledge. What knowledge? Jesus is my Lord and Savior. He died for me. He's my substitute. He rose again from the dead. All of that is from the Spirit. Just as if I have no power, no action, no power to think or move or do anything without breathing, without having oxygen in my system, my organs won't function. Without having the breath of God, the Holy Spirit, in me, I have no spiritual life. That's, that's not an accidental analogy given to us 
in the scriptures. And this is the proof. What is the proof? We believe. That's the proof. We thought the word of the cross was foolish and we were perishing. But now, oh, it is the power of God who enlightens my heart to know the true wisdom of God. And this has been going on since the beginning. Not a recent fad, right? Not a new thing that God is doing. God has had mercy on sinners since the beginning because of what Jesus would do for those Old Testament saints. And now he has mercy on us because of what Jesus did do. Amen? Yeah, without the Holy Spirit, you have no wisdom for spiritual things. None. None. This is why Jesus says to the religious leaders, in John chapter 5, Jesus has an encounter with the religious leaders who are trying to trap him in blasphemy and trap him in false doctrine. And listen to what he says. And we're talking about people who knew the Bible inside and out, the law inside and out, the Pharisees, the Sadducees. They knew everything about every Jewish custom and everything, everything. They knew it. But they had no heart for God because they've missed the big point. This is what Jesus says to them in John chapter 5. And the Father who sent me has himself borne witness about me. His voice you have never heard. Can you imagine that? Here's Jesus telling the Jewish religious leaders, you've never heard from God. The people who are in the temple leading people in uh, worship, who are making sacrifices, who are making judgments according to the law, Jesus says to them, you've never heard from God, you hypocrites. He calls them a lot worse things than other places. Whitewashed tombs, serpents, snakes, vipers. His voice you have never heard. His form you have never seen. And you do not have his word abiding in you. Whoa. Here's these people who knew, who memorized the Torah inside out. I mean, Genesis memorized. Can anyone say that in here? Exodus memorized. Leviticus. Numbers. Deuteronomy. They had it memorized. And Jesus says, you do not have my word abiding in you. Whoa. Why? For you do not believe the one whom he has sent. Jesus is the crossroads. Jesus is the line in the sand. You cannot have religion. You cannot have morality. You cannot have any of those things apart from, first, a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And this is what the Pharisees and these religious leaders failed to see. They rejected Jesus and Jesus says, well, let's keep reading. You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. You know the Bibles, you search the scriptures, you think that you're saved because of that. But listen, the same scriptures that you are searching, it is they that bear witness about me. And yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. This is what 
Jesus says to them, for these religious leaders who knew the word but did not have the enlightening of the Holy Spirit, who did not have any fervency for God out of true love, just out of moralistic behavior modification. How does the Holy Spirit know this, Paul? He knows the depths of God. Why? Because he is God. The Holy Spirit is a part of the Trinity. He's just as much God as Jesus is. He's just as much God as the Father is. The Holy Spirit is not 33% God. Jesus isn't 33% God and the Father isn't 33% God. There are three gods in one, 100% God. And the Holy Spirit is God. This is what you're missing. The Holy Spirit is God and so he knows the wisdom of God. And this is how the Lord uses himself in the hearts of people. The Holy Spirit is not some cosmic force or mystical power. No, he is God himself. In verse 11, he says, For who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. Again, Paul is emphasizing this point. Keep on teaching about God using worldly wisdom and philosophy. You will always fail. The only way to know the wisdom of God and to stop men from perishing is to have the Holy Spirit. And to have the Holy Spirit means you've repented of your sins, you've become born again, and you have, have a relationship with Christ now. In verse 12, he says, Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit of who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given to us by God. What does the Holy Spirit do? He causes us to be born again. He convicts us of sin. He sets us free from the power of sin. He baptizes us into the body of Christ. He gives us the assurance of our salvation. He transforms us by our sanctification. He enables our fight against sin. He fills us and produces fruit in our life. He gives us boldness to endure persecution. He empowers our witness. He gives gifts to the church. He gives, gives us the word of God. Literally. For all scripture is inspired by God. The word inspired there is given by inspiration is literally theonustos, which means God breathed. The Holy Spirit, the breath of God, breathed out the words of God. This is what the scriptures are. He's given us the word of God. He prays for us when we don't have the words to say, and he teaches us all things. Do you think you need the Holy Spirit? Do you think you can get the wisdom you need for spiritual living anywhere else? You've missed the point. You've missed the point. The source of wisdom is the Spirit of God. Verse 13, Paul says, And we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are perishing. Yeah. The Holy Spirit is the one that teaches you all things. Paul is not teaching you. Apollos is not teaching you. Peter's not teaching you. Dan Sardinus is not teaching you. Who is the teacher? Who is the one who makes it make sense in our hearts? It's not Dan. Trust me, I'm not that smart. 
It's the Holy Spirit of God. It's the Holy Spirit of God which takes the Word of God, which Dan is preaching, right? You're listening to me, hopefully. By the way, there is on the attendance sheet how many are, sleep, are sleeping in each section, just letting you know. It's not the preacher, it's not the teacher. Listen to what John says in 1 John chapter 2. I write these things to you about those who are trying to deceive you, but the anointing that you received from him abides in you. You have no need that anyone should teach you, but as his anointing teaches you about everything and is true and is no lie, just as it has taught you, abide in him. Why should we do it any other way? Why? I mean, who do you think we are to have other kind of methods that are contrary to the scripture? Do you think we're smarter than God to figure it out a totally different way? Do you think we could accomplish the purposes of God our own worldly ways? No. We're foolish if we believe that. And there's many people who do that or try that. There's always a new foolish endeavor. These existed in Corinth, and they exist today. There's always something that Christians are getting sucked up, it, sucked up into. The church just kind of falls apart over new ideologies as they try to get more spiritually deep, or they try to reach more people, or they try to be more friendly, or they try to make Jesus look cool, or whatever. Just preach the word of God. Through the power of the Holy Spirit. That's the answer. I mean, just, here's just seven things that probably I would go back in the last dec- 10 to 15 years that Christians and churches have been sucked up into. You ready? Right? This philosophy, this worldly wisdom. Here's, here's examples of modern examples of what Corinth was dealing with. You ready? Critical race theory and social justice. What is that? Marxism. Here's here's another one that might step on some toes in here, but good. I meant to. The Enneagram. That has the occult as its foundation. So-called Christian yoga or Christian New Ageism. Occult. Seeker-sensitive churches which borrow from corporate business practices. So-called gay Christianity. Influenced by LGBTQ people. Women pastors, inspired by the feminist movement. Prosperity gospel, which is the Christian idolized version of the American dream. Greed, selfishness, comfort are at its heart ripping apart the church. Promising a false gospel, a false Jesus with false promises. All these fads come and go. These are just the last 10 to 15 years. And guess what? Next 10, 15, there'll be more. Reject them. Reject them and see them for what they are. And let's trust God as a church to preach the word of God. Can we just preach the next verse? Can we do that? Because that's where the power of God is. That's where the wisdom of God is. And that's what we will do here. So my encouragement to you, Christian, is what Paul is trying to say here. Just like the source of all boasting is in Christ, let us understand that the source of all wisdom is is in the Holy Spirit, and without Him, you have nothing. If you're here without Christ this morning, I implore you, I beg you 
to repent of your sins and to trust in him alone for salvation. It is his Holy Spirit that will give you this wisdom to cause you to be born again, to come to this knowledge of a saving faith in Jesus alone. I pray for you to do this and seek him this morning. Christian, you may not realize how much you need the Holy Spirit, and I pray you will evaluate where you are with him and your understanding of him, and I encourage you to get that book, Breath Upon Breath, in the Welcome Center, which is for free. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your love for us. Thank you, God, for your word. May we never shy away from what true biblical wisdom is, what true godliness is. May we never pretend to figure it out any other different way, but only what is found in you. God, I trust you to do your work in your people. I trust you to accomplish your purposes in each and every life that is here this morning. May we all come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ if we don't already. May we all be, continue to grow in our journey of sanctification and holiness. Father, thank you for the Robertson family. Pray for them that support will come in so they can continue making an impact in Kenya. Help us now. In Jesus' name, amen.